This is Tom Bernard. Can't get enough of sports talk with Phil Mackey and Judd Zolgad? Tune in to the new Tom Bernard Show podcast Monday through Friday as Phil and Judd join me to discuss the latest sports headlines and whatever else comes to mind. Just download the Tom Bernard Show app wherever you get your podcasts or visit TomBernardShow.com. It's another way to get more from me and Judd talking sports and having fun with Tom, and it's all at your fingertips. Download the Tom Bernard Show app now and join the conversation. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. The second pick goes to the Golden State Warriors, and that means that the number one pick in the 2020 NBA draft goes to the Minnesota Timberwolves. Super exciting. Um, I, I, I trust, you know, Gerson as an organization. Us, we trust Gerson and, and Ryan and all those guys to, you know, continue making Minnesota, you know, a home for, you know, some of the younger guys coming up and even for some, you know, some all-star guys coming in. I think, you know, the... You know, it's it's the bar is set now, so we're, we're excited to, to get it going. Yeah! All right, so it's not a superstar top of the draft, but the Wolves got lucky for the first time in franchise history. Kind of. I mean, yeah, we'll see. I mean, it's, it's not a bad. It's not a bad thing. It's not a bad thing. No, it's not. And we'll we'll talk about it. We're gonna get Doogie on for a Friday scoop session. We also have Action Movie Rewind on the Mackie and Judd podcast feed today. So all kinds of things happening. But uh, speaking of the Timberwolves, Federated Insurance has been a partner uh, with the Timberwolves for a number of years. And Federated is here to stand behind business owners during a very tumultuous year. In fact, uh, they've been around for over 100 years in the state of Minnesota down in Owatonna. And you can find out more if you're a business owner and you're looking for frontline protection, risk management, and just a guiding hand through a tumultuous year. Federatedinsurance.com to find more information. And remember, at Federated Mutual Insurance Company, it's our business to protect yours. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. Enjoy more of the things you love with TCL. These two guys have Minnesota sports flowing in their veins. Mackie and Judd on Score North and scorenorth.com. Welcome into the show, Mackie and Judd. On this Friday, Declan producing, and it was like such a low key. I I forgot that the NBA draft lottery was even happening until like a day ago. Oh, mm-hmm. that's right, the draft lottery is still going to happen. Usually, it happens in May, like the third week in May, and then the draft is we'd be two months past the draft by now. And uh, oh yeah, the Wolves do have a pretty good chance to get that number one <laughs> overall pick. Oh, it's it's very interesting. Okay, and then uh, and then you notice the two teams jumped up from the back part of the lottery to the top, and you're like, well, that's bad luck for the Timberwolves. Two teams jumped. That means the Wolves probably fell back somewhere. And then it just kept playing out, kept playing out, and you had the Warriors who have basically luck-boxed their way into a number 2 overall pick because all their stars got hurt, just like the San Antonio Spurs in 1998. That's really unfortunate they all got hurt and had to sit out. Warriors are geniuses. Yeah, they did it on purpose, for sure. (laughs) Uh, but the Wolves won the lottery. This was Gerson Rosas afterwards. The draft process is a hard job. And to be fair to teams, um, there's no secret formula. There's no easy process. You have to do your due diligence. Uh, you know, they've talked about this as being similar to past drafts. 
uh, you know, the Anthony Bennett draft, for example. Uh, but to be fair, uh, the reigning MVP was part of that draft as well. So for us, we've got to do our job. And the reality is this is a great position to be in. We've got three great picks in this draft. We have an opportunity to move this organization forward. So here's the biggest question right now. The Wolves are sitting on, and then there is no LeBron, as as Gerson Rosas just said. There is no clear-cut number one overall pick in this draft. In fact, of course, the, the one year the Wolves move up, in the 21 times they've been in the lottery, the one time they move up, and, 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 they, and they did get the number one pick with Towns, but they did not move up to get the number one pick. They were the worst team in the NBA. They earned that one. Yep. Of course, <laughs> the year that they finally move up to number one, the top two prospects by most accounts are both flawed. Anthony Edwards from Georgia basically can't shoot. He shot 40% last year as a freshman and, uh, and shot less than 30% from three. I mean, he's, he's, a, he's a prospect, and he would definitely come in and add energy and uh, would grow into a player. And then there's LaMelo Ball, who is, uh, I believe, the youngest of the three Ball kids. Yeah, he... And so his flaw is twofold. One, we haven't seen him play like major college basketball. He's been playing overseas, and his dad is a psychopath. And we'll probably train wreck the whole thing. Yeah, so, and and he's. I saw a story from the Post yesterday or a couple of days ago already saying I want to play for the Knicks. To which I would tell a ball. My God. To which I would tell a ball player. No pun, pun intended. intended. I would tell him, "You go play for the Knicks." Yeah, there, there's. No I don't way. think I would. I, I honestly I don't think I would invite the Ball family into my basketball fa- family if I was the Timberwolves. I really I don't agree. think I could do it. I, I'm good on him. I do not. I, I don't want to mess with that. Plus, there's half a chance that he's a bust anyways. I, I get that he's a top prospect. The baggage would just so. be so potentially high, I would guess. Yeah. So I will just start the, the, the talking point with this. I 100% trade this pick for a third star, if possible. Okay, so what's the trade? Well, that's what has to be figured out. No, but but I mean, what what are you? So, let's say that that let's not go with names to start with. Let's just say that you're mm-hmm. that you've identified five guys, three guys mm-hmm. around the league that you would trade this pick for. But you know, clearly the trade is going to have to be more than the pick. What are you giving up potentially? Like like right now, what are you willing to give up? So I am for sure willing to give up both of my first round picks this year. So the number one overall pick, seven, they have 17, right? It's 117 yeah. and 33. From Brooklyn, yes. And 30, 33 is a valuable pick, too, because it's the, I mean, that's the pick that uh, Nikola Pekovic was, I think, like the 31st pick or something. That Those early second round picks are non guaranteed contracts, but right. they're still top players. You can get guys overseas and whatnot. We used to sell those contracts. Uh, the Timberwolves? Yes. David Kahn sold like five and one know, night one time. No, would just sell them. He'd just be like, you want, yeah, I'll, tra- I'll, I'll trade. So, no, no trade. Just give, give me cash back. So I am willing to trade all three of those picks this year. I'm willing to trade Jarrett Culver. I'm willing to trade Josh Okogie. I'm willing to trade... Josh Okogie would intrigue teams, I think. Yeah, not as a star, but just no. as like an Energizer Bunny player. And he's and I think I think he's intriguing for the Wolves the next couple sure. of years. But I think you can find, like, you can find Energizer Bunny players... Maybe not who play at that level of energy all the time, but I think you can find energizer bunny players in the draft who can't really shoot, you know, guys who can cut and play defense. Those are guys that you just like, you find those guys with the 20th pick, just like they did with Josh Okogie. Mm-hmm. So I think if you package up all three of those picks, and Jarrett Culver was a top pick that, that you know, he's not viewed as like the next Dwayne Wade or anything, but he's viewed as a guy that could be a good rotation player. Um I'm basically only not trading Carl Anthony Towns and D'Angelo Russell. If I can get a third star, mm-hmm. 
I figure out the rest of the roster. And this is yeah. a golden opportunity if there's even one team with a Bradley Beal in Washington or if Philadelphia decides that they can't have Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons playing together. I don't think Phoenix is going to be looking to trade Devin Booker for a pick, but could you get a third team involved, a third team that's looking for picks and has a player to ship over to one of these teams? You're going to have to get creative, but you have the assets for the first time really to add that third superstar. Do you Pretty think exciting. that Gerson Rosas would trade the pick, so that's not the right question. Do you believe that he would be inclined to do so? Because he, I mean, yes. he's definitely shown he'll he'll make trades, so that's not a debate. But do you think he is inclined as he, as we sit here today and he sits uh, in his office? Do you think his first thought is trade the pick? Yes. Okay. I do, but I think his second thought is, all right, we're uh, we're pretty good at developing players. We feel like you know the, his, his track record in Houston and putting together the system that has brought the Rockets to be one of the top two or three teams in the NBA the last few years. I think, as I was telling you guys off mic before we started the show, the Twins front office and the Wolves front office have this similar complex. Maybe in complex, it might be the wrong word because that's sort of construed negatively. They believe that they are great, and the and the Twins front office is great. No, that's a complex. The, the Wolves front office, to this point, mm-hmm believes that they have the right combination of people and analytics and scouts, and they have the ability to either swing a creative trade. I mean, they they, they hired the trade machine guy who, who created the trade machine for yeah. ESPN.com. So they, they believe that they can either put together a great trade that will land a third superstar or that they can select the, the whoever the Giannis is in this draft. You know, Anthony Bennett went number one overall seven years ago, whatever it was. Well, Giannis went 14. And Gerson Rosas believes that they can find the Giannis. I think he believes that. Mm-hmm. So it'll be interesting to see. Like, does I think if 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 he could just trade that pick for a, a guy in his mid twenties, like a Devin Booker or a Bradley Beal, who's ready to just be a star right now, and you put him with Cat, I think that's the path of least resistance. Just skip the development part and just get that third superstar. But if they don't find any takers, if if the Suns are just not going to play ball, or if the Wizards aren't going to play ball. Um, then I, th- I, th- I really think they feel comfortable enough to say, well, there's there's no obvious superstar, but through our process, we will find the, find the superstar okay. in the in the uh, the haystack. So, um, do you guys think do you guys think this is a franchise changer? Do you guys think this is the no, the boost I, that the Timberwolves needed to get back into relevance for like the next five or ten years? I think it could be. I, I think that, that there's. No way to sit here right now and say that it definitely is. But back to your point, I think from a business standpoint, so I think there might be more pressure than ordinary to trade this pick and try and put together a package to acquire a third star. But based on what we discussed on the podcast on Thursday, which is Glenn Taylor's trying to sell this team. Uh, This team last night. 100% 100% helped, right? But it started just a step because because of the fact that there's not a true uh, potential star at that top pick. Because uh, if there was a Zion, it would completely be a game changer in a huge way, and you would take the pick and pair him with Cat and with Russell and potentially be in good shape. But from a business standpoint now, I think where this could be a game changer, and I think why there might be more pressure than ordinary to actually parlay this now into a veteran player who is considered a a star, is because the interest in the Wolves, if you went out before this draft and you go get or put together a package that gets you a guy like Beal, right? Now you're talking about 
people saying, whoa, hold on a second here. I was going to put my money into take your pick of the team. But now I'm thinking about this because I can go get a Beal jersey, and now they've got Cat and they've got Russell and Beal, uh, to just use a player as an example. So I think where this could be a game changer, and I think where there, this might be a little bit different than ordinary if this was just Glenn going to own the Wolves for sure, would be that there might be a, hey, we'll, we'll draft a player, we'll develop that player, it's going to be great, but it's going to take some time. Yeah, I don't know, I don't know from, again, from an off-the-court standpoint, if people are going to say with the Wolves, well, there's still plenty of time, or if there's going to say, no, we need to make a splash here, and we've got two damn good players. But we also have not played a game since when, Phil? March 12th or something? March 10th? And, and post-pandemic, selling tickets just across the board, no matter how good you might be, is going to be difficult. So what puts you back on the map? And I think a trade that lands you a third perceived star player definitely gives you a real good fighting chance to be back on yeah. that map, which which I which until last night you were off of for sure. And last night doesn't guarantee you're back on it. Right, let's let's go a little further down this path, because I'm in a reckless speculation mood today. The Wolves have the number one overall pick. I think they're gonna trade it. Reckless speculation. I think they're gonna trade it. I think they're gonna try to trade it. And then if they have to, they will have a list of who they think is the superstar in this draft. Um and I and I trust that they're able to to sniff out whoever that player is. Now Jarrett Culver wasn't exactly a superstar last year, so that remains to be seen, like their ability to judge young talent and whatnot. So I think the most likely player of the three guys that we have mentioned on the show this week, and and Bradley Beal's name came up today, I think Devin Booker, after what the Suns just did in the bubble, I think it's going to take a lot to pry him from the Suns at this point. I don't think the Suns, they just signed into a max contract. There were some rumblings you know, four or five months ago that Devin Booker wasn't really thrilled, but I just... I, it, I don't think that's going to happen this offseason. I think if there's a divorce between Devin Booker and the Suns, gun to the head, I think he stays with the Suns. They're certainly not like looking around looking to trade him unless he were to really draw a hard line in the sand and say, I don't want to play for you guys anymore and force something like Kevin Love did 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, so Devin Booker would be probably the best of this bunch in terms of a guy who's just going to be a superstar scorer, a guy that gives you a backcourt that can score 60 points a game. Um not much defense there, but let's take him off the board. Ben Simmons, I actually think the Sixers are more likely to keep Ben Simmons than Joel Embiid if they break up the two. Because Ben Simmons, even though he's the one that's injured right now, ironically, I think he's the one that's more likely to just be healthy for you going forward. He's a facilitator. He's a great rebounder, passer, etc. Uh, Joel Embiid, you can only count on him for like 55 or 60 games. So Bradley Beal is the one, I think, that is the most attainable because the Wizards would be... If the Wizards, who are just in this like constant mode of mediocrity and or like on the verge of rebuilding, yep. they tried the John Wall Bradley Beal thing. John Wall got hurt and was never all that great to begin with. Bradley Beal's been there for eight years now. He came into the league in 2012 13, and he has just gradually become one of the biggest offensive superstars. He averaged in obscurity this season. Bradley Beal averaged 30 and a half points per game for Washington. And shot, uh, let's see here, 46% from the field, which for a guard is very, very good. He's not just a volume scorer. He also dished out six assists and four rebounds. Defense is very much optional for Bradley Beal. but It's optional for most of the Timberwolves right now. Right. But I think what you'd be banking on is with Bradley Beal, like how much incentive has he had to play like slap the floor defense in Washington the last three years? If you're part of like the Rockets, people rip the Rockets, no defense. But you know what the Rockets... 
Like the Rockets late in games now, if you watch those games, they'll clamp down when they want to try to clamp down. They're not going to be the 1989 Pistons, but when you get a group together and and they're scoring points and they all believe in the same mission and they believe that they can be one of the better teams and you get superstars together, like sometimes the want to is increased from where it would be with the Washington bleeping Wizards. So I think Bradley Beal is probably the most attainable of these guys right now because the Wizards of all three of these teams we're talking about, and there's probably more too, would be the most likely to just immediately want that number one overall pick. So he has two years left on his contract at 28 and $34 million, which is a max contract. And he has a, a player option for 2022-23 for $37 million. So you would get Bradley Beal for a couple of years. He's 26 years old. So he's in his prime right now. He'd be the oldest of your three superstars. Um, now, does Bradley Beal, Carl Anthony Towns, D'Angelo Russell do enough to like put you at the top of the West? No, it does not. Not until the Warriors go away and until LeBron goes away and Damian Lillard maybe goes away. So I think Bradley Beal's the most attainable. But I, I don't think that you need to be I, – I don't think the actual conversation right now being had is – What's the trade that's going to put us at the top of the West? I think the actual conversation has to be, and I'm talking about from Gerson to Ryan to Ethan Casson, everybody who matters from a different standpoint involved. I think the question is, how do we become relevant? And the answer is playoff appearances, winning basketball games. It does not mean that that you have to win uh, the championship. But it does mean that you have to consistently win, which this team has not done. And are we talking 16 years now? Consistently win? 17 years? Yeah, about so, 16 years. So yeah. I think the conversation, they, they wouldn't say this publicly, but I think it has to revolve around what makes us as relevant, sellable, and and for lack of a better term, sexy as possible. Competitive. And, I mean, but, yeah, competitive. But, but but a championship eventually, hell, that'd be great. Yeah. But that I don't I don't think there's a path to get there today. I do think that there is a path to have a conversation today with the core group of two players that you have in place to be competitive, relevant, and you know what? Flat out, and this sounds really sad and pathetic, but it's true, to matter. Mm-hmm. To just matter, to just uh, you, you are in, you are in what amounts to a pretty, pretty small city or cities plural. That it's incredibly competitive. You've got all the pro sports, you've got Division One college sports, and so just being competitive and relevant matters. And now it matters more than ever. Yeah. So, regardless, I like the. I do love the idea though of a, a trade. I I just think it's. It's fun. Like, th- like this makes it fun. When is the NBA draft? Friday, October 16th. They said it might, I guess they said it might move now back, though, depending on when yeah, the regulars, Ad- or I'm sorry, depending on when the playoffs end. Adam Silver also just said last night, who he was asked about an early December start to the next season, and he said, yeah, just kind of based on the, the way the bubble's going and the feel of it, he goes, I think that's probably too early, and there's probably not going to be, we, we want to wait until there's fans in the arena. Right. So I think all this is going to get pushed. I don't know when they're going to hold the draft, but I think the season for next year is going to get pushed into 2021. So now if they do swing a trade, it would be before the draft. So if if they move the draft back to like November or something, it's a three-month window of super fun speculation. You know what? It's going to be awesome. Reckless speculation. It's always been fun to do this, but what the pandemic has taught taught me sports-wise, I just want fun. Like, it's why I like what baseball's done, okay? 
A guy on second to start the 10th is just fun. The Wolves winning the lottery last night makes it fun. I just I want fun. I want to mock! Mock! There you go. This is fun. I want to mock! Mock! What's the equivalent of, oh, Rumble Rock. I was going to say, what's the equivalent of, of uh, NFL Films music? Here, I'll, I'll play it right here for you. Let me find this. Let's see here. Yeah, there we go. CBSSports.com has mocked the 2020 NBA draft after last night's lottery results. I'm going to count up just to keep some suspense here. Okay? I, I like this much more. Right. Yeah, you can't. You don't start at one. Let's go. Uh, let's see here. Mm-hmm. Well, let's go. We'll start with pick three. We'll just make it quick. The Charlotte Hornets are picking third overall. Anthony Edwards to the Hornets. Interesting. Okay. So outside the top two for Anthony Edwards. Number two overall to the Golden State Warriors. He's a big man from Memphis, seven foot one, two hundred forty pounds. James Wiseman. Oh, the kid that played like ten games, right, at Memphis, and then didn't he uh, become ruled ineligible for something? And now he'll be eligible to. He was yeah, the big stud going into college basketball last year. Yeah, all right, and that means number one overall to the Minnesota Timberwolves. He's a guard from some obscure pro team in Australia. Australia I want to say NBL. This is exactly who we just said we wouldn't take. LaMelo Ball. I want to mock. Mock. I want to mock. Mock. All right, here, here's the write-up. Are you ready for a D'Angelo Russell LaMelo Ball backcourt? I'm not. No way. I'm not ready for anything LaVar Ball related. I agree. Unless he wants to throw the show some... Big baller brand shoes. Has Lavar? Has, will endorse it. Has Lavar been quieter in the last couple of years, or yeah, or or did the rest of the media just eliminate him? Sort of. What What was the ultimate jump the shark Lavar Lavar ball moment? Was it when he was screaming back and forth on first take with Stephen A. Smith about whether he could take Michael Jordan one on one? Yeah, and didn't he go on and debate Wilbon at one point? I think that probably happened. Yeah. Anyway, I'm sorry. Read the write up continues. Yeah. What. What the uh, D'Angelo Russell LaMelo Ball backcourt would lack on the defensive end, it would in theory make up for on the offensive end because Minnesota would have two big guards who can both really create scoring opportunities and pass. And though I could acknowledge it's not a perfect fit, it's likely the best option for a franchise that's still trying to figure out how to be relevant in the Western Conference with an all-star NBA talent like Carl Anthony Towns in the middle. Towns has been in Minnesota for five seasons and has only played five playoff games. That's awful, we know. Thanks. So perhaps Ball can be the the key to changing that because even though his shot selection leaves a lot to be desired, the six foot six guard can already see things offensively and do things offensively that ninety nine point nine percent of prospects his age cannot do. That's why it's reasonable to conclude the good far outweighs the bad. But you know who else can do things that ninety nine point nine percent of young prospects can do? Bradley Beal and Devin Booker. Can we? Yeah, if they're and gonna, Ben Simmons. If Ben Simmons can't shoot, but. It's fine. If they're going to take ball, I would 100% just trade the pick. Uh, yeah, I agree. Like yeah, I would not, yeah, yeah. I would not put up with that. I would not deal with. I do. I have no interest. If I am Gerson or Ryan Saunders or anybody in dealing with this, yep. the mistake that you would make in a different draft is if there was a Zion or there was a LeBron or somebody, and you could get that player in under team control for a lot less money, and then like in their in their second year, you'd have like. LeBron James for a third or a fourth of the money as you would. I keep using LeBron James from 2003. He's a transcendent player. Let's use Zion. 
you'd have Zion for like a third of what you would pay a max player, and he's just as good, if not better. Like that's that's like having Russell Wilson on it's a rookie contract, thing, yeah. right? No, I get so that. So if 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 that yeah. opportunity is there, you should take it. But if you don't think that opportunity is there, and other teams are desperate to get a number one pick to rejolt their franchise, like mm-hmm. Washington, it's just a perfect time to trade it. So we'll talk to Doogie with a scoop session. Let's spend before we get to Doogie. Let's spend just a couple minutes here breaking down a Twins game like it's a football game. Football. Oh, last night. Let's uh, let's just do like five minutes on this. Right. We'll, we'll we'll continue our deep twins dives next week. There's so many other things. I happening. have a I have a request to make. Will the real Jose Barrios please stand up? He did. He did. Because last if that night. was if that was him last night, I got a whole lot to think about what I said on Saturday. Okay, but you knew this was going to happen. <laughs> you, no, I know, but I want but I wanted to see it he's happen. A good pitcher. I wanted to see it happen so I can now have my internal debate about <laughs> who the hell he might be. You've been watching baseball for like fifty years. Yes, this, this happens. Like Jose Barrios, I understand ne- was that. Never as bad but as the he onus, was in the but, first. But month. the onus is on him to prove that this is him consistently. But I need to see. I need to see some form of what we saw last night consistently, don't I? But I don't think you're going to get it consistently because he's not an ace. Like you're going to get this. He's going to pitch like this for a month, and okay, then he's going to get sat- shelled again. Saturday was a low point. He walked four. He looked rattled. He looked really, really for him bad. Okay. Last night, six innings, one hit, one walk, nine strikeouts. I believe he had eight strikeouts in the first four innings of that game. I need to see. I don't need to see last night consistently. I'd like to see it, but I need to see something closer to last night than Saturday, and that's what he has the ability to do. But he's just—it's—it's it's his fifth year as a starting pitcher. I'm and, challenging him, and so he is—he is, he is okay. not an ace. I'm throwing on the gauntlet. He's not an ace. He should not be expected to do what he did last night every single time out anymore. I would have said differently two yeah, months ago. No, I agree I, with I, that. I have shifted. It sounds like I have shifted my expectations, and you have not. No, you are still I judging have, him through the prism of being an ace. No, no, no. Listen to me. What I'm saying is I want something in the middle of what we saw Saturday and last night, okay? That, that makes him a solid two in the middle. Saturday is not a two. Saturday is a five. But even twos and ones get shelled once in a while. So. Sure, they, oh, sure they do. But he had five shaky starts to, to the season. That's what I don't want to see. And actually, technically, just to defend him, he's started six times. Four of them have been clunkers, and because the, the, his third start against Pittsburgh, which doesn't basically doesn't count because Pittsburgh's got. And he awful. also did not look good. The he did not pass the eye test in that. Game. I agree with that. Uh, but like he, it was one of those games. He had forty pitches through like two innings, if I remember right. But he met. He met. But. But that's going to happen, and so your job then is to, when you don't have your stuff and you don't have your command, you still have to go six innings and give up one or two runs. And so he did that against Pittsburgh. Last night he was sharp, Yes, and I would argue that, I know they brought my guy Duffy in who allowed his first run of the season. I would argue that they probably should have ran Brios back out there for a seventh inning because he only had like 88 pitches. Mm-hmm. But Rocco likes, huh? likes to stretch that bullpen out. So um, I just think it's a matter of what should the expectation be for Barrios. He's not going to do what yeah, he did last the, night every time out. The middle of Saturday ass. and last night, that's the expectation. That's not too much to ask. The middle of that is not too much to ask. The exact middle of that would be five innings, two runs, and some strikeouts. Yeah. But look like you know what you're doing. Like the, the problem with the five starts to the season for Barrios is the eye test. It's largely the eye test, which until last night he didn't pass, and last night he passed it with flying colors, and I don't need to see him do it with flying no. colors. I just want him to pass it. He also looked like a guy, it, it's almost like someone sat down, or Wes Johnson or somebody, and was like, dude, you have great stuff. Yeah, I agree with this. Just be confident. It's almost like he listened to self-help 
books on tape all week or he, something. He said, he like, listen to a Gary Vaynerchuk podcast. <laughs> he said last night post game that he had decided when he got to, to the ballpark that this was going to be the day. So I think you're right. And and they've also been working uh, before the start of Kansas City. He was talking about the fact, and he brought this up after Saturday start, and he brought it up again last night. They moved it more towards the third base side of the rubber, and clearly. Last Saturday, it was a disaster. Last night, it, it looked great. But I think the danger in that is not that it can't work eventually. I think the danger is anything. anytime you adjust something with Jose Brios midstream, you get a lot of thought. Yeah. And the well, more thought you get from an athlete sometimes, the it's not better. The, the other tantalizing thing about him is like he's, he's very likely to pitch like this for a month stretch. This is how his career has sort of been. Yes. And if he's going to pitch like this during the right month, which, I don't know, October seems like a good month for this to happen, that performance last night is why, even after like three clunker outings, you would put him into a playoff rotation. Hoping that he, because when he's on, he is legitimately that, one of the best pitchers in baseball. Which is why I think he would start a playoff. In, in a playoff series, I think he starts no matter how long that series goes. Dude, he is right-handed Francisco Liriano. It's just like every time you watch him, you're like, yes, Yes, do do that. Do, do that, that more again. often. Yeah, and then so he happens. just gets shaken up. So, all right, uh, other things. Just as I told both of you guys yesterday, Ryan Jeffers calling him up was a great decision <laughs> that he would provide the offense needed behind the plate for the Twins with his two hits. Never a doubt about Ryan Jeffers. Yeah, that's what you told us. No question about it. <laughs> our, our guy Jake DePew has been on the Jeffers bandwagon now for a while, at, at least since uh, the, the Twins were in that summer camp at Target Field. How many people are on the Ryan Jeffers bandwagon? Jake DePew, Jake Jake DePew, DePew has, been, on, has, been, Twins has been telling me that this guy has offensive potential. He, I mean, he's not wrong, or I should say for one game. He looked really good last night. He looks good, and he looks like he can contribute. And uh, w- with the way that Garver was going in 2020 thus far, boys, it was an improvement. Yeah, did Ryan, we'll see. Did Ryan Jeffers in one game contribute more than Mitch Garver has the entire season so far? What's Garver, it's, it's a debate. What's Garver's hit total? Let's see Not here. good. Let me see. So far. So Jeffers has two. He got two. First Garver's two got more than two hits. Does Garver yeah. has seven, uh, eight. Okay. Eight hits. Eight hits. One extra base hit. Eight. One extra base hit. Yeah, Homer. okay. Go Ryan Jeffers. Oh, uh, boy. Before we get to Dukes, can we please talk about Buxton? Football. Okay, so I'm going to tell you this right now. But between the comments that Falvey made pregame and the comments that Rocco made postgame, all right, I don't know a lot about um, the repair of, of labrum injuries and shoulders. But what we learned last night is the Twins – very, very carefully choosing their words, telling us that this is going to be a problem for a while. So he hasn't re-injured the labrum that he tore or that he hurt against the Marlins last year and eventually required surgery. But sliding headfirst into home plate, he definitely aggravated the shoulder, which is in the same area. The extrapolation I took and the way that Baldelli expo- explained this post game is that this is not the type of injury where you get the surgery and you're just done and fine. That this is going to be a lingering issue for at least this year, and if it's going to be for this year, who knows? It might be longer than that. Um, But this is just the latest, and I'm not blaming the kid. Again, I'm not. But this is just the latest in the, the Buxton saga. So did he? It was sliding head first. It was the problem. So does the this mean run. that he can just like not slide head first? I don't. Ever? I, it's what I don't know. I don't know what or it means. Di- or dive with your arms out? It, basically, it sounds like for the time being, the answer might be yes. And and the Twins were very, 
The twins are so careful in how they try and tell you things, but what they were telling you flat out was you have to understand that surgery does not fix the problem from the standpoint of it's not going to become an issue again. So does he need more time or is this a chronic injury that sounds like it might be an aggravated chronic problem that's and my friends that's that's reassuring and the fear of chronic with byron buxton is i don't know where that ends gentlemen is that mets trade still on the table what was that rumor mets trade noah syndergaard for byron buxton and we all balked and he had tommy john oh i see what you did there dex yeah (laughs) we all balked even on wednesday when he was running on a ground ball i noticed i tried to say to judd too i was like i think there's something wrong with him because he pulled up and he just kept his left shoulder like locked in and down and took like his time getting to the dugout. Mm. And I was like, I wonder if he's going to get pulled here. He ends up going out for defense, but then Jake Cave pinch hits in the bottom of the ninth. And it was like, oh, there is definitely something wrong here. I thought maybe he hurt his hamstring just running off first, but the way his arm was then locked in, wasn't moving his left arm at all. I was like, oh boy, this could be actually bad. So he's on the shelf again. But this, but this comes back to the discussion that we keep having, which is... If Snow gets hurt and he's out, it's like, okay, too bad. You might lose some power and some strikeouts and some doubles for sure. Uh, but when Byron Buxton's out, it changes the the makeup of your lineup. Yeah. So that's breaking a baseball game down like it's football. football. <laughs> the Twins are only playing 60 of them. By the way, Nelson Cruz with another home run last night, and the Twins are amazing. The Twins are now tied with, uh, it's funny, the Rays actually overtook with a sweep of the Yankees, the American League East. So the Rays and the and the Twins are tied at 17-9, and nine, and Oakland is 18-8. and eight. So Oakland is at the top of the American League standings right now. <laughs> Liam Hendricks remains a lights-out closer. I think he's now something yeah. like 9 for 10 on save opportunities. He's awesome. Now Cleveland beats all of the bad teams, and so Cleveland is 16-9. and nine. Yeah, this going to be a so race. They've caught up to the Twins. Although I just feel like if Cleveland's not going to bring Two awesome starting pitchers back to the fold. They're going to fade at some point, but it doesn't matter. It really doesn't matter who wins the division, other than just like you know having that division banner hanging. And the White Sox are playing great too. And everybody gets to play Detroit, and Detroit has now lost eight consecutive games. So that great start by Detroit's wiped out completely. Yeah, yeah, Detroit and Houston. By the way, their poor start is wiped out. They're fifteen and ten. Yeah, they've been on a nice win streak, or they were. So the Twins. Let's see here. If the if the playoffs started today, here. Let me find this. I want to get this right. I think the Twins would be playing the Orioles still. Judd's maybe scared. it's Houston. Doesn't want to do the Orioles. Give me Houston. I want Houston. Let me get it for you. Drum Let's roll. See. Actually, is it the Yankees? Uh, the Yankees. That, okay, without, that, oh, that, that I don't. No, that I don't. I'm not asking for that one. Not first round. No, it's the Astros. They'd be playing the Astros. So Oakland would be playing Toronto. Tampa will be playing Chicago. Minnesota playing the Astros, and the Indians and the Yankees would be playing in that four. So you're telling games. me playoff baseball in Buffalo, huh? Oh, man. Let's do it. Let's get a bubble. Me and Buffalo. Buff, by the way, Buffalo in, <laughs> Buffalo in early October is just as likely to have a blizzard than anywhere. In Hell yeah. Right? Football. Right. We have a lot of upside, but we need to continue to add high-level talent to this team. Uh, development is important and critical to our success. Uh, but this allows us, uh, you know, to – to take a major step in terms of the talent acquisition, uh, whether it's in the draft or, or trade market, whatever the case may be, uh, it really positions as well moving forward. All right, Darren Doogie Wolfson, our friend from the 5 Eyewitness News Sports Department. You can find him every week on the Scoop Podcast, too, part of the Score North Podcast Network. ScoreNorth.com, Apple, and Spotify if you want inside information about your favorite local sports teams. So, Doogie, um, over or under October 15th, Bradley Beal in a Timberwolves uniform? (laughs) 
I actually feel good morning, by the way, gentlemen. I actually texted with somebody that knows Bradley incredibly well about 30 minutes ago. So it's interesting that you asked me about Beal. Mm. I don't think the Wizards are moving Beal for next season. I think they want to at least see John Wall back on the court with Beal and go from there. I'm not suggesting that Beal maybe eventually doesn't get traded, but I don't think it's before next season starts. By the way, we don't even know when next season will start. I just got off a Zoom call about an hour ago with Wolves coach Ryan Saunders. We were talking about that. He doesn't know. Is it Christmas? Is it January? What he did tell me was that Adam Silver really, 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 and others in the league, really want fans back in buildings. So is that January? Is that February? But Ryan said it's challenging. Like he was on the court this morning with Carl Anthony Towns. Cat is back in town. The wrist is doing great. Saunders put Cat through a workout this morning. You know, so inevitably they're talking about what took place last night, then when next season will eventually start. They just don't know. Like Ryan said, it's really hard to tell his guys, like, you know, ramp up your workouts now, but we don't know when the start of of next season will be. Like guys want to, you know, it's a slow build, you know? So like if next season doesn't start until February or March, you know, guys might want to ramp down their their activity right now. But on Beal, I just, I don't see it, Phil, but get ready for endless trade speculation. Like I'm led to believe the Knicks really want LaMelo Ball. Reckless speculation. Yeah, so, I mean, would the Knicks do something like Mitchell Robinson and eight to move up to one? If you're the Wolves, would you do that? Atlanta, there's some chatter about the Hawks wanting hometown guy Anthony Edwards. Would you entertain some sort of three-way dialogue where Drew Holiday goes from New Orleans to Golden State, where maybe the Wolves move down to two but end up with their number one pick from next year back? Remember, they gave up their 2021 number one Golden State for D'Angelo Russell in that package. It's top three protected, and that's a really good draft next year. But the Wolves can somehow get their pick back next year. I'm telling you, Phil, endless possibilities, and you haven't even asked me about Ben Simmons or Devin Booker yet. Judd, go ahead. Why don't you ask about Devin Booker (laughs) and Ben Simmons? Dukes, I'm trying to think of a good question here to ask you, and I'm struggling a little bit. So, um, oh, uh, how about uh, Booker or Simmons? Booker isn't going anywhere. I'll continue to maintain that position. Other people in the league, Judge, just don't foresee it happening, you know, especially after they just went 8-0 in the Orlando bubble. Phoenix is keeping Devin Booker. As for Ben Simmons, I do think Philadelphia offers some intrigue. I don't know if it's Ben specifically. I had one league executive, a number two in a front office in the Eastern Conference. I was texting with him this morning. He has no horse in the game. He just thinks that Philadelphia would not do Simmons for number one. Wouldn't rule out a Simmons trade eventually but doesn't think there's a match between the Wolves and the Sixers. But I'm sw- telling you. There's a sweetener, Dukes? Dukes? What's that, Jared? I, I said, is, is there a potential sweetener then? If they won't do the one for Simmons, is there a potential sweetener that could come from the Wolves' side to make that deal workable with the one and something else? Well, I mean, you have pick 17 that you could dangle. Heck, pick 33 has all sorts of value. Jared Culver might have some value, depending on what front office you're talking to. I mean – Put it this way. I'll tell you. In fact, I'll read it here. Let me read it. This is from another Eastern Conference executive. Let me read it verbatim. Okay, I've got my text right here. It's early. Hold on. But Gers, ready? Reckless speculation. Okay, yeah, go. here you go. Here's my cell phone. <laughs> it's early. But Gers will call teams and ask for their best player for one, then work from there. So, undoubtedly league executives expect the phone to ring maybe as soon as today with Rosas calling to say, Hey, give me that guy. I'll give you number one, then work from there. So do I think that there eventually will be dialogue with Philadelphia? 
Judd, I do. But what about Buddy Heald in Sacramento? You know, I brought up Drew Holiday. Could you make a deal with New Orleans? Could you get LaMelo Ball with Lonzo Ball in New Orleans? You know, could Drew Holiday be had? What about Aaron Gordon? They had some Aaron Gordon trade interest back in March uh, or February. I'm not suggesting that you would give up one for Aaron Gordon. There would have to be more to that package. But I'm telling you, Atlanta at six, Detroit at seven, New York at eight. What about Chicago at four? There's some buzz that the new Bulls front office loves Ball, that Ball would be a good fit in Chicago. Would they give up Wendell Carter Jr. or Laurie Marketing plus pick four for pick one? And maybe you need to add in something else. But this is fantastic. Like, this is this is the gift, right? For those yes. of us in Sports Talk Radio, Phil and Judd and Declan, like, this is as good as it gets. This is the fodder that we've been seeking for many weeks. Doogie, uh, you threw a couple new names out there that I, I need to continue to track here. Some of these guys just don't play any defense, and I and that is a thing that we have to discuss at some point, but... Buddy Heald is an interesting one. So, but you know, Buddy Heald was a guy that I'm sure the Wolves had their eye on in the 2016 draft, and he has become one of the big-time sniper shooters, 20 points a game in Sacramento. Um, again, defense very optional for Buddy Heald, but if you were to add, I mean, like, let, let's use Buddy Heald for an example. I don't know if, if Buddy Heald is the type of guy that I would trade the number one overall pick for, but what are your thoughts on, like, Let's say Drew Holiday and Buddy Heald compared to, you know, I agree with you on Booker. I don't think he's going anywhere this offseason. But, like, Devin Booker is here. Buddy Heald is where. Drew Holiday is where. Well, I mean, I'm a huge Drew Holiday fan. I think he's one of the more underrated players in the league. He's like, 30, is, he's like 30, though. That's the only thing. Yeah, he is, although I think he still has plenty of game in that body. But he can opt out in a year. You know, so would you only be getting Drew Holiday yeah. for a year? But if you could guarantee me Drew Holiday for multiple more years – I would be all over Drew Holiday. He can play on the ball, off the ball. I was texting with an Eastern Conference coach late last night. He told me his belief is that D'Angelo Russell has to be on the ball. That there's talk of, and, and we saw it in Golden State. We saw it in Brooklyn at times, D'Angelo off the ball. Heck, we saw it in March with Jordan McLaughlin on the ball. Think about the Miami game, D'Angelo Russell off the ball. But that long term, D'Angelo needs to be on the ball more than he's off the ball. You know, so if that's the case... Is the is is ball a fit here? Uh, you know uh, the draft prospect. Not not talking. You know the actual basketball. Mm-hmm. You know. So I mean, there's just. I was talking to Ryan about that, and and his point was that hey, you look at Wiseman as a five. You look at Ball as a one. You look at Cat as a five. Russell as a one, but Cat can play the four. Now, do I think they're going to take James Wiseman? I don't. You know, but but you could you could have Ball and Russell coexist in the same backcourt. But Bill, you said it. Defense would be incredibly optional. But when asking about Heald and Holiday, I would put Holiday way above Heald. What about this possibility? So Sacramento has what pick? Is it 12, 11 or 12? I mean, what about Heald and pick 12 for one and and something else where you could make some sort of transaction like that? Okay, so this is fantastic and fun. And I've got a question for you to add to the reckless speculation stew that we're creating here, Dukes. How much potentially so so Gerson will it likes to and this is great, pick up the phone. And, and so just from a basketball operation standpoint, that's going to take place. But the other part of, of the equation to me that's got to play a factor is this. How much does the business side now factor in? Because the Wolves are being sold Last night helped, but really up until last night, the Wolves in this market are sort of just off the sports map completely. 
if you use the draft pick w- without a without a definite star here, it might be fine, but we don't know when and we don't know how that's going to work. If you trade for and put together a deal for a third star, that engages the fan base instantly. How much does the business side of Glenn trying to sell this team and the relevance of said team play a role in sort of a in sort of a business uh, slash basketball decision based on if we get a third guy, we now have can market on billboards, Cat, D'Angelo, and take your pick, Bradley Beal. Well, I mean, if you could get Bradley Beal, sign them up, sign me up, sign up just about every Wolves fan. I just don't know if Beal is realistic. So I guess it depends on on who that third star is because to me, Judd, you can market Cat and Russell. Like, does Buddy Heald sell tickets? I don't think so. Does even Drew Holiday? Again, I love Drew Holiday, but does Drew Holiday really sell tickets? So I guess it depends on on who it is. Would Ben Simmons sell tickets? Yeah, I do. I think Ben Simmons is a big enough name, former number one overall pick. Yeah, I think Ben Simmons moves the needle. By the way, Judd, I just got your text message. Yeah. Hilarious. Uh, you know me very well. So, yes, I, you're, I, you're spot on. on, on I that thought way. I knew who you might be talking to. Okay. Oh, uh, we'll, wow. We'll, we'll oh, just be wow. left out. Yeah. Hey, Phil, wow. I mean, I'll, I'll send so you a text. You guys know here. who the source is, and Declan yeah. and I will just be left yeah. to, to speculate. Dude, he said he was talking to somebody, Whatever. and I did some. I did a little math in the head, and I said, say, say hi to said, I said, well. say hi to said person for me. Mm-hmm. Reckless speculation. Amazing. You know what? Let me add, though, on, on the potential sale, because <clears throat> I don't know how much this is out there. I've, I've hinted at it, but, but I'm told that Daniel E. Strauss was in town last week. That doesn't mean that a sale is. Is imminent. It doesn't mean that that he's going to be the guy, but clearly he's one of the front runners, the former limited partner of the of the Memphis Grizzlies. I still get the sense that this is a multi month process that we're looking at December, maybe even into the into the twenty twenty one calendar year, January. That that when talking about a billion dollar transaction, really above a billion, it'll be in the end probably one three one four in in that vicinity that it takes a really long time to vet everything out. But I'm telling you, when when a prospective owner comes to town, things are moving along. You know, Glenn doesn't want to talk about it. You know, I know Glenn talked to Krasinski last night. I'm going to try to talk to Glenn maybe today. But but Glenn is declining comment all of a sudden on, on the sale talk. When, when he was open, you know, he was an open book about two, three weeks ago. He is now declining comment on, hmm. on ownership stuff. Dudes, give us some rapid-fire scoops here, starting with what you know about the Dalvin Cook and and Vikings contract talks breaking off. I think those talks could get revisited at any time. I'm led to believe it was the Vikings, not not Dalvin Cook's agent, who leaked that information. Judd, you've seen this any number of times over the years covering the Vikings. These talks can pick up snap of the fingers. The Vikings are trying to create a little bit of leverage. The Vikings have the leverage anyway because – you know, worst case scenario, they just use the franchise tag on Dalvin next right. March. So, I mean, Dalvin is going to be here next year. He'll be here this year. I still think a deal gets done. I do. You know, call me an optimist, which which many people wouldn't. But but I still think in the end a deal gets done. So even though the, the talk, you know, it, it was created earlier this week, and, and it's not wrong. I mean, talks right now are dead. So, I mean, there's a story there. Credit to Pelissero for, for breaking that story, our, our, our good buddy. You know, so there's there's a storyline there, but I'm not necessarily in the camp of this means that a deal won't happen. Yeah. All right. Good stuff, Dukes. That was awesome. Thanks Doogie. for speculating with us. Reckless speculation. Can I throw you two more? Did I mention the cat note that, that Saunders was on the court yep. with Cat this morning? So Cat's yeah. in town. The wrist is 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 doing well. And we don't know when the start of next season will occur, but 
you know, December, January, Cat's wrist and, and Cat being on the court should should not be an issue. Also, I was with Richard Pitino on Monday, socially distanced on campus, but I was with Richard Pitino on Monday. He was just gushing about Liam Robbins. The Gophers are still awaiting word from the NCAA, but they do expect him to be immediately eligible. Who even the heck knows what, what the college basketball season will look like? You know, will the Gophers even have a season? But if they do, Pitino was just gushing about the potential of the Drake transfer, Liam Robbins. Also, Daniel Oturu, he interviewed earlier this week with the Chicago Bulls. That was his first draft interview. Thank you, Doogie. Awesome stuff, stuff, Doogie. Thank you. Talk to you you next week. That is our scoop session. Reckless speculation. The second pick goes to the Golden State Warriors, and that means that the number one pick in the 2020 NBA draft goes to the Minnesota Timberwolves. And Pat, it finally happened. 21 lotteries. The Wolves move up for the first time, and they have their choice between a number Nobody. one prospect that can't shoot and one of the ball kids. So, <laughs> Yes, right. That's right. That I say the hell with it. Take the shooter. I don't care where they have rated that Nesmith guy, the small forward who makes 50% of his threes. You can't take Anthony Edwards. He's another bricklayer, for God's sake. He's yeah. a dirt culver all over again. I suppose, I don't know. Yeah. Now, the old man Bomb's going to disappear, hasn't he? I guess because he hadn't had a kid in the NBA. Right? I mean, the one kid's down there, but he's mediocre. Yep. So what happened to him? Is he, is he, who got him to shut up? Uh, I don't know. I, I think they might have stopped booking him on shows because it just, yeah. the act got to be old. Yeah, could have been, could have been that. They? I don't think the shoe line lasted too long. Did it? No, actually, can you? Is there still a big baller brand? There might be, but the shoe line, it did not. I think yeah. they had some issues. I think the brand still exists. Yes, they had I a hard think... time shipping the shoes. That's what yeah. it was. Yeah. Okay. Well, well they still have a footwear my, page on their website. Mine didn't show up. Okay. Well, the so USPS Mark, is a little bit slow, so. So Mark Weber runs, uh, you know, the Fort Myers business operation for the twins down there he used to be in the marketing department with the twins way back when he's a buddy of st pete and he runs it down there and he's a basketball nut right and he they, they have that big city of palms basketball tournament with all the you know the top high school uh players in the country and it's in december i think right after christmas and it runs for about a week down at the uh, Florida Southwest uh, Junior College there where they get great players. But he saw them when they had all three of them. Mm-hmm. And, and he did say this one was going to be by far the best, uh, the youngest one. So, mm-hmm. well, uh, you know, I mean, he loved them, but uh, the, the two of them were really good. And then Lorenzo, and then that other one is just not much of a player, but he was, he was the third brother, the six foot six guy who shot laps. But the other two, he liked the other two, but he really loved this Lamelo. So maybe you know, maybe you can forgive him for the nuts old man and give him a shot because they need a guard more than they need a point guard more than they need another bad shooter athlete, right? You know my theory, Pat. Trade what? that. Trade that puppy. Oh, that's right. I I put on Twitter that you said he should be traded, even though I had trade down, even though I hadn't heard you say it. I saw that. <laughs> yep, you know me well. Right away, I said, Judd wants to trade down. <laughs> Not only that, he wants to rebuild, damn it. It's all part of the process. Is it time to move Cat? <laughs> That's the question. Well, it depends on how Cat feels about playing here these that, days. That was Rami's first take when he got here a year and a half ago. He's like, what? just trade Cat. This yeah. is not going yeah, to work like, in the next five years. <laughs> 
cat doesn't want to go somewhere and have to win. Oh, wow. He likes it here. He gets oh. to maybe make the all-star team and now play, uh, you know, play five minutes of defense in a 30 minutes that he's on the court. The cat likes it. Cat <laughs> likes this. Uh, cat likes this atmosphere. No pressure, uh, really. I mean, if you if you win 35 games next year, everybody will say you're on the rise. And, oh, boy, it'll be great. He's got his buddy D'Angelo. It'll be terrific. Yeah. Uh, Pat, what, what what are your expectations? So Barrios was great last night. What are your expectations of Jose Barrios from this day forward? Oh, man. Oh, I wish I knew. I wish I knew. Man, that was so much fun last night. I mean, Milwaukee's got their issues like everybody else hitting. But the fact that when they threw the ball back to him, he stood on the top of the mound and eight seconds later threw the next pitch was fantastic. That's what I really enjoyed. The pace, I mean, obviously the good pitches, but the pace with which he pitched was unbelievable. And uh, by, you know, because he's been dicking around and, you know, trying to think up, you know, I think he's had, okay, which one of three pitches do I want to throw here? And last night it was like, I don't care what this kid asked me to throw, that's what I'm going to throw. I didn't see him shake off a pitch. And uh, I Gladden pointed this out. I heard him post game. I don't think he threw a pitch in the dirt. Do you? No, I don't think he did last night. He was and, great. Uh, he's been bouncing that slider yep. all year because it's like, and when he bounces it, you can know that he's not really releasing it. He's just really trying to force it and stuff like that. Last night, he somebody got to him, maybe Johnson or somebody, but they got they got him to uh, just say, "Get the ball." throw the damn thing, you'll be fine. And, boy, he was good. He was really good. I don't know why they didn't send him back out for the seventh. But, you know, maybe maybe it's the old uh, let him feel great about six innings. I don't know. The old Carlos Silva. Listen, if, yeah. you, guys are gonna, if you guys are going to sit here and question Rocco, I'm having none of it, all right? None of <laughs> no, it. I'm not questioning Rocco. I'll tell you what, uh, Jeffers looked like a receiver, didn't he? Yes, he did. Yes, he did well. Well, it helps to have Jerry Meals calling the balls and strikes, though, because I could frame, I could fool Jerry. We're all giving him credit for framing pitches, but with Jerry, you just really don't. Although I thought Jerry, by previous standards I've seen this year, was uh, much better last night than he has been. Maybe because he had two pitchers that were pretty good. I I don't know why, but he didn't seem to radically miss as many pitches as he normally does. (laughs) That's not saying a lot, Pat. No. I mean, that last game in Milwaukee, he was uh, unworkable, I think, behind the plate, so. Yeah, he had a bad night that night. He was, uh, you know, uh, he he looked like Rick Baltaggio back in the days when Rick had a date waiting for him at the hotel or something like that, so I don't know. Rick Baltaggio. (laughs) I Vic, remember Vic. Vic got mugged. Uh, I think it probably was. Uh, seemed to be a bit of a setup. I don't know. But anyway. Hey, how about. That's an old story. Hey, how about Buxton, man? I mean, th- this doesn't sound good. It-, it sounds tied into the previous shoulder, what, the l- labrum that he tore. You should listen to Derek. They, well, this is good news. Um, it's not the labrum. No, I know, but then Rocco admitted post game that it is tied into it, that it's not it, but it is definitely tied in. And what Rocco said was, with something like this, it doesn't just get fixed and it's fine. 
Uh, he, but I think he was meaning the surgery, right? Well, he, mean, he means the surgery, and, and he means the fact that there's going to be soreness and problems ongoing after the surgery. Yes. And uh, I think you, your question becomes how much is the soreness and how much, you know, does, do they, does, does Buxton not want to play or do they, do, or do they not want him to play? I, I don't know what it is. But if you're going to dive into home plate like he did and be safe and not be able to play two days later, then, then, then obviously we've got some problems. But it's, it does tell you something about, Star Tribune readers, can I tell you that? Or not comment, commenters. I, I noticed this today. Uh, you have a game in which Rios pitches great, right? You have a game in which the kid catcher comes up, 23 years old, 170 games is up in the minor leagues, uh, gets two hits, looks great behind the plate. You have those things. And I looked at the comments today, and the, there's very few comments on the the good stuff that happened, right? Mm-hmm. And there's a hundred of them ripping Buxton for being, you know, the Buxton thing that says, you know, the little thing that says Buxton's hurt again. It's there's oh, he's glass, get rid of him. Newspaper commenters are the worst human beings on the planet. These are, you know, these, uh, you know, the guys who run the gulags in Russia would uh, would would be higher on the scale of decent human beings than these clowns who just sit there and wait for an opportunity to, uh, you know, say the same things they said twenty five times before. Pat. I remember, I remember when it started. They were going to have these intellectual discussions among readers to comment on on the events of the day how'd that work out you know i will say and i i and i've lumped sometimes twitter trolls into the same category as like anonymous twitter trolls that don't put their real handles but i gotta tell you a quick story that i told these guys off microphone that there is hope for troll commenters and troll twitter people based on an exchange i had last night all right so some anonymous guy, uh, I won't say his handle, it doesn't matter, but some, some anonymous guy took issue with my Tom, I made fun of Tom Brenneman for sneaking in that home run call in the middle of his apology, oh, yeah. right? Well, I saw the tweet, it was great, it was unbelievable that he would do that, what a moron. I mean, it's, I, think, I think more guys should do that, Just I can't tell if it was a pro's pro move to say, uh, all right, listen, I know my career is coming to an end and I feel terrible and I deeply oh, apologize. Yeah. There's a deep drive to left, swung on, melted. It's an SNL skit that has to happen. <laughs> Swing and, and a drive. And I'm sorry for anyone I may have offended. There's a hot shot to short. Oh, it gets through. The one. That's what Hitler said right before he shot himself. I'm sorry for anyone I may have Pat, that's exactly what I thought. Hitler apologizing and doing sports play-by-play in the middle of the apology. (laughs) So so this guy guy responds to my tweet and says, well, at least Brenneman had a career, Mackie. You're a failure at sports talk. I said, wait, wait for it. Uh, so we, you know, I, we go back and forth, and normally I wouldn't engage, but I was, I had a couple, couple white claws last night, and so he, he wonders why they canceled my show, and then he goes, "You are a fat, short, bleeping, gray beard, five foot three, two hundred forty nine pound b word." <laughs> 
which I said, I'm 5'8", okay, and quarantine has not been good to me, but I'm not 249. But then, Pat, but then he goes, then he goes, you are a fat bleep living in a decent apartment. So he must have, like, done some research. Uh, Just saying, your mom won't be proud. And then he said, your dead mom would be proud. And so at that point, at that point, I'm like, all right, well, that's a little over the top. But to his credit, Pat, to his credit. He DM'd me <laughs> and he goes, okay. he goes, hey, buddy, even though I think you are a bleep head, I took it too far. I'm going to keep taking shots at you. But the mom stuff was out of line and I apologize. <laughs> yes, I apologize for you if I offended you. <laughs> if I offended you uh uh, for uh, making a smart-ass reference to your mother, who you loved dearly, that was uh, that was uh, yeah, high class. But That's if all class. trolls could, could realize he, their sins and DM, guy, how how can anybody be defending Brennan? Defending how who? How can you defend this? Oh, Brennan? I mean, yeah. What what would cause him to defend Brennan? Yeah, I don't know. Nobody I, I, can I, nobody can defend him unless he was asking an English guy for a cigarette. He's got no shot here, right? I mean, it's all over. That's good. Well put, Pat. I like it. Yeah. Maybe he was. You might want to call Maybe Tom and tell him to run that one past his bosses yeah, at Fox. That one. I don't know. I think he, he does is. smoke the heaters. You know, this is, I mean, this is, this is not like something I wouldn't normally say. This is, you're telling the world what your attitude is, right? It is, yeah. You can't say, I mean, I'm a man of faith. This is not who I am. It's like, no, I think the tone of how you said it yeah, probably, yeah, probably set this one out. Yeah, that's great. That's great. I apologize. I just want everyone to know that I am a man of faith, and this is not who I am. And there's a swing and a drive. <laughs> Will it stay fair? It's gone. <laughs> what if Russ Hodges had been apologizing during the Bobby Thompson shot heard around the world? <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> Giants fans. Earlier tonight, the Giants were the better. The Giants were the They're going crazy. And again, I'm sorry. Luckily for me, I've never said anything to a live mic that I would want. Exactly. Never Except once. Yeah. Never once. Except 20 or 30 F-bombs. Beyond that. <laughs> All right. Pat, we'll see you next week. All right. See you, Royce. Right, that is rapping with Royce. This right is going to be an SNL skit. It has to 100%. be. 100%. I mean, it uh, has to be. Uh, just, uh, boy, I don't know if I'm ever going to put this headset on again. I <laughs> I just feel terrible. I'm a family man. I'm a man of faith. That's not who I am. Oh, baby, there's a long drive. <laughs> he got all of that one. It might Stay be. fair. The the only thing that would have improved that whole thing live is if there had been a sponsor read for home runs that he had to do before he got back to the apology. That home run brought to you by the Chevy dealers of Cincinnati. The Big Reds home run. Another $500 from Chevy. And by the way, I'd like to say to my bosses, it's got it's it has so many different possibilities. Uh, All right. We'll see you guys Monday. That's a wrap. 
This holiday, whether you're making a Baker's Simple Truth Turkey for 40 or a Murray's Baked Brie for two, Baker's has fast, fresh delivery and free pickup, so you can make holiday meals that bring you all together to create memories that last. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Free pickup on orders of $35 or more. Restrictions may apply. Get more ways to save at the Buy 5 or More Save $1 each sale. Just buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Baker's, fresh for everyone.